A new year, a new beginning. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of CFAL Talks. I'm Pamela Ferguson, Vice President of Investments here at CFAL, and in today's episode, we'll be having an intimate chat with another one of our esteemed CFAL Talks contributor, Lachelle White. Lachelle is an investment manager here at CFAL and is also a chartered financial analyst with over 15 years of experience in the investment management sector. Lachelle graduated from the College of the Bahamas, now the University of the Bahamas, in 2004 with a Bachelor's of Business Administration degree in Finance. She is responsible for the day-to-day -day management of discretionary investment portfolios totaling over $500 million in both local and foreign currencies. Lachelle is a member of the CFAL Investment Committee, which oversees and governs the investment strategy and plans for discretionary portfolios and the CFAL family of funds. Thank you, Lachelle, for agreeing to have this conversation with us. I really feel that your experience and knowledge will inspire and motivate other young Bahamians to strive for excellence. So let's get right into it. Tell us a bit about yourself, your academic path, and your age, and the trigger points that have helped you to where you are today. Well, um, I come from a very modest background. I was born in a clinic in Nicholstown, Andrus, and I spent the first seven years of my life living in my grandmother's house in Mastic Point, um, Andrus. Um, um, I was a typical island girl playing hopscotch in the road, you know, there wasn't much traffic, um, riding bikes, picking canaps off the tree, picking mangoes, running after crabs. So it was um, a modest upbringing. Um, but at that time, you know, I was just having the time of my life going to church um, with my dear grandmother who had a special pew at the front of the church. She was the catechist of the church. So we would um, go there. And I always remember the priest asking her, you know, if if she was hungry yet, you know, so we could end the service. So <laughs> so it was, I mean, it was a really um, fun childhood. Um, it just set the building blocks for my life. I still remember all of the great things um, that my grandmother um, instilled in me. Um, I'm 38 years old now. Mm -hmm. When I was um, seven, I moved to New Providence with my parents. My parents were already here, mm -hmm. um, but I still went back to the island um, every summer until about my early teens. Um, and I went to Woodcock Primary School um, on Hospital Lane, so I started grade three there. Um, and from there, I went to um, C.R. Walker Senior High School, and as you mentioned, um, from there, I went to the College of the Bahamas, now University of the Bahamas. And then I did, I started doing my, C, studying for my CFA exams in my, during my last semester of college. So I took the, the first exam um, when at the same, around the same time that I graduated, that I graduated college. Um, for me, I've always been interested in numbers and interested in math. I think it's hereditary. My grandfather, um, up into his 80s, he was doing calculus problems. It was, <laughs> it was amazing. Um, so I've always um, had um, a thing for numbers, and so that propels me um, to where I wanted to be today. So it just was a natural path for me to do something that dealt with numbers. When it was time for me to choose my major in college, 
I was leaning towards finance, but then I also wanted to do economics because I loved um, understanding how government policy worked. I know it sounds weird, but <laughs> yeah, but I, I loved um, things about the economy. And I always remember um, the first thing that I learned in economics, there is no such thing as a free lunch. <laughs> so I always was um, interested in numbers and how things work and and just puzzled. And so that um, sort of propelled me. And there were like a few people along the way, um, my family, um, my mother, who I think started some sort of savings program for me when I was seven. Mm -hmm. So I was, of course, I was very excited about that. You know, every time you get your little birthday money, you yes. want to tuck that away and see those savings grow. So I was always from a young age, I was taught um, how to save and how to appreciate money. Um, there were um, teachers at school. I remember Mr. Allen, my math teacher, um, at C.R. Walker. Um, he was very instrumental. Um, in guiding me, um, as well as Ms. Poitier at COB, who recommended that I take the CFA program. So it's always been something that I was interested in, and I've always been driven to do well um, in the field that I chose. I also remember, I don't know if you remember, Pam, or if you were around, because there was like, during my last year, or maybe in 11th or 12th grade, there was a pilot program mm -hmm. that was done with C.R. Walker, and I think QC, where... Um, members of the financial field um, came into our school and they taught us about um, savings and investments and basically financial worlds in the Bahamas. And I know Mr. Fergus Fowl was a part of it. Um, and also, I think, um, Ken Kerr at Providence. Uh, I can't remember. Ooh, yeah, so, yes. <laughs> so I think that was like a preempt to the junior investor program. So I always uh, remember that um, a very long time ago. So that just also interested me in the world of, of finance. So... I've always been um, interested in it. Um, my mother was a banker, um, so I've always been, and you know, several of my family members also were in the banking field, so it's always been something that has interested me. And so here I am today. Yeah. I remember Miss Eve Poitier. Actually, Miss Mistress Poitier inspired me to want to become um, um, a chartered financial analyst. Mm -hmm. When I learned her story, I love people's stories. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's, that yes. impresses me more about your story. And she was the first uh, Bohemian female mm -hmm. to have gotten the designation. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going. I'm going yeah. after that. Yeah, that Poitier, so, Poitier yeah she's an amazing. icon. <laughs> yeah, she is an icon. She always encouraged you to read and yes. you know, and everything, and just um, be knowledgeable about everything. And still today, when you see her, you know, she's always just so personable and asking you how you're doing, how you're doing. So she was very instrumental, and I'm happy that she um, suggested that um, for me. Um, to go in the CFA program and that I was able to succeed in that. Yes. So, Lachelle, how important is a solid family support system in helping you to where you are today? I think um, it's very important um, to me. I mean, I've always been sort of self-determined and self-driven, mm -hmm. but it's just that sort of that there was always a expectation for you to do well, but there wasn't, in my family, there wasn't like... Um, a lot of pressure, like, mm -hmm. you know, you have to do this, you have to be this, you have to be that. My mother, my father, they just always wanted me to succeed. My aunts, my uncles, they always wanted me to succeed. Um, my grandmother, um, she always wanted me to succeed, and she would always just express um, how proud um, she was of me. And so, but I do think that a family structure where you know that there's somebody that, some people, a tribe, 
that has your back and that you know that if you fail, you have some people to fall back on and people to talk to and people that will support you. But like I said, I've always been um, driven um, myself. I've always pushed myself. I've never felt the need to really compete against others. I was always terrible in sports, by the way. <laughs> um, I'm like 5'10", so people always assumed that because I was tall, I should be um, in sports, but I have no coordination. I was always a book. I was always a bookworm. I always loved math, um, and I always drove myself to beat myself and do better. I remember when I was in high school, I got a 98 on my math exam. My math tell final. me you were disappointed. Don't tell me you were disappointed. <laughs> I was talking to my friend and I was like, I wonder where I lost those two points because I thought that I had aced this exam, you know, like 100%. She was like, are you serious? You are got you a 98 in test and you worried about two points? And I'm like, yeah, like what question could I have possibly gotten wrong? So I was always like, I was always like that. I wanted to be, um, well, not perfect but I always drove myself to do better and see if I ever quote-unquote failed or didn't do as well as I thought I would I always pushed myself um to to do better and I still carry that out um with me today but yeah I I just think that my family was there like nobody else asked me nobody else said why did you lose this two points on that it was just me yeah but my family was always there and my family um had always supported me and just um, thinking back on it, you know, we, like I said, I grew up in a modest background. We weren't rich, but I always had um, everything that I needed to succeed. And I was always given, um, my mom would just, you know, you know, back in the day, you had to drive all over the place when you used to want special school projects to get go to this place to find um, this history. So, you know, my mom was always there. I mean, even though I knew what, I know it annoyed her because she was a busy woman, but <laughs> you know, she was always there to support me and my family, my extended family also um, was always there to support me. So I think that having that framework is important, but also it's most important to have that self-determination within yourself that you want to succeed. If you decide that this is what I want to succeed and this is where I want to succeed, you set that goal for yourself and then you try, I mean, you try not to stray from it. Of course, there'll always be times where, you know, you lose sight of what you want, but, you know, just get back up. And But definitely just having um, those group of people, that group of people around me supporting me and just wanting me to do my best and expressing pride in what I did, no matter if it was, um, if I thought I fell short, they were still always proud of me. So that was important to me growing That's up. That's awesome. That's awesome. I didn't have those high school problems of 90 versus 100 in the <laughs> So that's an awesome, that's an awesome story. I think you are a successful young Bahamian, but success is relative. What does success mean to you? Success to me, um, it means something that works. So something that has worked for you. So like we would say, if you do a project and you say the project was a success. So to me, it's something, if you've achieved a goal that you've set for yourself, to me, that's success. It's not necessarily accumulating things or getting awards or um, passing tests or whatever. But if you set a goal for yourself and you achieve that goal and it makes you happy, then to me, that is success. And I think a lot of people sort of get this um, vision of success is that they have the fancy car and the big house and, you know, like they go to fancy parties and wear expensive clothes. But for me, success is just um, 
Success is just being happy with what you've done and with what you've achieved for yourself. A major complaint from some young Bahamians is that it's challenging to survive and achieve financial success in the Bahamas, even with a tertiary level education. What real life advice would you give to that young adult starting out and want to reside in their birth country, the Bahamas, and live a good quality of life? Um, I think I understand that it's very hard. It can be very hard um, in this environment um, to get ahead, even if you do all the things that you're supposed to do. Um, you study hard, you work hard to achieve success. It can be very difficult, but... I would just say set a goal um, for yourself and don't stray for it. Set out your plans with what you um, want to do for your life. If you want to own your own home, you have to make um, sacrifices. Or if you want to own a car, you have to make sacrifices to get there. Like for me, I own my own home now, and but I lived with my parents right up into my mid-30s, maybe. <laughs> so I've owned my home just for a few years. But during that time, I was saving and planning and budgeting. Like, this is where, this is the goal that I want to set. This is, I want to have X, Y, Z in X, Y, Z years. So I think that it's important to plan. And I get that it can be frustrating to, like, work so hard and then you don't see um, the fruits of your labor right away. But I just keep your eye on the prize and just, it'll come um, if you continue to work hard and try not to stray so far from your goals. Or sometimes it may be um, useful to like reassess your goals. Like, why do I want to do this? Is it just because this is expected of me? Or is it because I really want to do it? And sometimes if you're not really, even if you say, okay, I want to own this um single family home, this three bedroom house, like maybe you just need to own a town home or a smaller house. Like maybe you just need to reassess your goal. Like if it's something that is not working for you, you have to make sure that this is something that is going to make you happy and that, that this, this is what you really want and not necessarily what other people want for you. So I think that it's important to plan properly, understand what your goal is and just be patient in achieving your goals. I like that. You know, set your goals and work towards work it. Work towards and them. And have them be flexible enough that you can adjust them. Yes. If agreed. the need arises. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have to blow your own horn, horn but I will do that for, <laughs> for you. <laughs> you know, I, like I mentioned earlier, I consider you to be um, a successful young adult. You are very intelligent. Um, you have a superb work ethics. And by that, I mean you are dedicated to your work and to helping other young professionals uh, succeed. You take the initiative to get things done and you are professional and very productive. See, I told you I was going to blow you up. <laughs> I receive it. <laughs> and like you mentioned, you own your home. You have a healthy savings and that includes your investment a portfolio account and a retirement account, and you are a contributor to national insurance as well. You're not laden with a lot of consumer debt. So tell us, Lachelle, what financial habits have you employed in your life to achieve the level of success you have today? I think for me, I treat savings and investing like a, almost like another bill. So it's something that I feel like I have to do. So if I know, sometimes even now, I think, am I saving enough? Am I investing enough? Um, but um, I think that a lot of people, they don't have that mindset. 
Um, but I think about like, what is the penalty if I don't save? Like you mentioned, I, um, I'm a contributor to national insurance, but we always tell our clients that national insurance simply is not going to be enough, um, um, in retirement. Um, so you have to, you know, create, um, a backup plan. So I like, like I mentioned, I was saving from, I was seven. (laughs) So I've always, um, gotten to the habit of savings, but I understand that not, um, Everyone has that luxury. Um, people, we live in a very high cost jurisdiction. And so, but I would say that um, if we can create the mental- mentality that if we have extra and when we have extra, that we can tuck it away for something for an emergency at a later date, or if we want to have a treat ourselves to a, a trip at a later date, um, then we can, if we can get into that mentality, then I think that we can uh, succeed in building um, starting to build savings. And I think also that people sort of get discouraged because they see, oh, you know, I was only able to save, um, a hundred dollars, um, last year or whatever, but I mean, it's something it's more than other people have. So I just think that if you start small and once you continue the habit, get into that habit of, of saving. And like I mentioned before, you know, for, um, before I owned my own home, you know, I lived with my parents for a while, so I didn't have to pay. I mean, I still paid rent to my parents, <laughs> but <it's, laughs> so I didn't have to like, um, go out and pay rent. So, you know, you get free food, people cooking for you. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's so I the think, life. That's the life. I mean, yeah. So I guess, um, you just have to sit back and it's all about proper planning and, and just acknowledging and understanding your goals. Yes. It's going to be, um, hard, harder for, more difficult for some than others um, because people have, you know, different responsibilities. But I think that if we can just get into that mindset and that habit is that I want to save, I want to invest. And even if I can't, if I say I want to tuck away $25 a month and I, for some reason, I couldn't do this um, this month, like next month, you know, get back on goals. So stay on point, stay on your goals. And I think that that'll be an effective way of building the habit of saving. Yeah, I, I like the idea of making sacrifices today to achieve in your long-term goal. Mm-hmm. And I always say the cornerstone for me is to live below your means. Mm-hmm. If people can learn that, what yeah. if you get a dollar and you live below that dollar mm-hmm. as much as you possibly can, including savings in there, mm-hmm. then I think persons will be well on their way to achieving their financial goals and the level of success that they desire. Yeah, I, com- I totally agree with that. English composer William Corbett said, Thousands upon thousands are yearly brought into a state of poverty by their great anxiety not to be thought poor. In my words, some people tend to overextend themselves to try and convince others that they are wealthier than they really are. I have worked with you for over 13 years. And you do not appear to be pressured by what people think about you. You live, like you mentioned, an unassuming life, even though you've amassed you know, some wealth. What advice do you give for young bohemian adults who tend to be impressionable and find it difficult to live below their means? Um, I think that we currently live in a society of instant gratification. So it's like we see the stuff on Instagram and YouTube and this is like we want that, even though it's like you say, it's we don't understand that we should be living below our means and paying ourselves back via saving and investing. So, I mean, I think I 
Well, I'm going to say this. I grew up in a different era. (laughs) (laughs) At 38? Wow. Yeah, because I mean, back when I was growing up, we didn't have like all the social media well, accounts that's true. and that's we didn't true. have like but we had stuff. things though there we there were things, things that, things, that, that would tempt us it was it was at a, a lesser scale so like <laughs> like right now is everything is like in your face and you right. have all these influences mm-hmm. showing you oh get this mm-hmm. get that look at this look at that but like you said it's important for us to live below our means and i think that you have to just remember your goals and don't be pressured by what others have don't think that you have to have it and sometimes it's not even that we want this thing to make us happy because we see other people have it. We feel as if we um, we should have it. And, you know, we see on the post, they look so happy with this and think, oh, this is going to make me happy too. But you have to ask yourself, do I really want it? Is this something that I really need? Is this something that I can afford? But I understand it is very hard because... Um, there's a lot of, um, I guess, I don't know if people really watch TV <laughs> anymore because we have all these streaming services. But, you know, the ads on TV, the ads on um, YouTube, the influencers who are, you know, low-key selling you something. <laughs> so it's like hard. So everything is like um, in your face. So it's hard. So I just think that you have to cancel out the noise and say, I have a goal. This is what I want. And stay focused on, on what you want. Because if you let um, if you let all this noise get to you and you, you're going to get confused about what you want and you're going to stray away from your plan. So stay on target. Stay with your plan. Keep your eyes. Focus on your goals. Um, I don't have a... I hear people talk about vision boards. I don't... <laughs> I, that just <laughs> seems a bit new age to me. But just keep it in your mind, in the back of your mind, that this is what I want to do. And I don't necessarily um, need what this person have, what that person have. And I mean, I admit that, you know, I am a victim of it too. Because, you know, during the pandemic, it was like... I never had a YouTube account before. <laughs> now you <laughs> have I was like, I had, I just went on YouTube to like check out some stuff because I really didn't know, like, you know, we were in lockdown and I had to figure out how to do some stuff. And it was like, oh, buy this, buy that, do this, do that. And so I had to be like, okay, I buy this, this didn't work. I buy that, that didn't work. And it's like, okay, no, step back. No, this ain't working. What works for you? Research what works for you. Look at what works for you. Look at what you want and stop. Don't be so easily influenced by others. But I know that it's hard because this is the... Um, this is the way that we're growing up now and everything um, is sort of pushed on us. Like we have to have to have it. But you just, like I said before, you just have to stick, stay on point, stay on target, stick to your goals and figure out what you want and what's going to make you happy and if it's going to lead to your goal. I think it's, it's important that throughout um, our discussion, you, you, you hit on goals goals, goals, mm. setting your goals. Maybe that should be something that we um, implement in the schools, like from primary level, mm-hmm. um, age-appropriate goals. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember growing up, my mom told me she wanted me to be an accountant because mm-hmm. I like to count money. Mm-hmm. I used to love accounting, <laughs> the money, right? And she told me that. And, and all through primary school, mm-hmm. all through high school, junior school, mm-hmm. when we, when the, the school year began and the teacher would say, stand up and tell your name and your ambition and what do you want to be in life? And I used to proudly say, you know, my name is Pamela Musgrove and I want to be an accountant, right? And that went all up until I graduated yeah. and I got a summer <laughs> job at one of the government corporations in the accounting department. And, was like, and I said, no, <laughs> I don't want to be yeah. an accountant anymore. But I didn't go too far off from what I mm-hmm. intended to be. But I think because that my mom inst- 
instilled that in me. And she put that goal and that focus. That was something that I was holding on to. And while I'm not an accountant, I'm a financial analyst. And so I think it's so important to start from very little, um, helping your kids develop goals and ambition, Mm -hmm. you know, for themselves. I read something interesting the other day, just basically saying that you want to instill in minds of children to be as successful as they can be, not necessarily... um, saying, oh, I want to be a doctor or architect or whatever, but just so that they can be happy and they can fulfill their goals. And um, I think that it's important, like I said, to do something that makes you happy and don't be um, swayed by what other people have or what other people expect of you. And so goal setting for me um, is very important. And and it's okay to change your goals. You can be flexible. You don't have to, you know, change your mind. Um, We're human. You have free will. So just don't get stuck um, in the same spot and just say, what do I want to do? I want to be... successful in whatever I do and not necessarily you may not know what you want to do quite but you want to know that you want to be the best at what you do or successful in what you do and I think that that's really important yeah I agree with that too as you mentioned earlier you have a healthy savings uh program uh you have your investment account your retirement account and you contribute to national um, insurance so you have basically to date mastered in my opinion the three-legged school <laughs> savings concept the central bank though um in a survey done a few years back revealed that less than 50% of us Bahamians have $1,000 or more in our bank account. Why do you suppose we do not save or find it difficult to save? I think that number, that figure has probably worsened um, Mm -hmm. because of the pandemic. A lot of people um, lost their job. But um, in short, I think that a lot of people find it hard to save simply because maybe they have more responsibilities um, and lower income. Like I said, cost of living is very high. And also because some people, they don't know to save. It's like, it's just like spend, spend, spend. Um, And so it's like, okay, I need to have this and I need to project this um, measure that I am successful and they equate success with having things and showing people that you're successful. So you have the fancy car and you have the big house. But so I think that that a lot of people get um, caught in that trap um, of, of spending and not looking out for the future and not looking out for themselves um, tomorrow. But for other people, it's like really, really, really difficult because they um, basically are working paycheck to paycheck and just, you know, to pay bills. But I just always say, even if you could just save a dollar, like just do it, just to get that mentality that starting to save and to get that sense of pride in yourself that I'm saving and I'm investing. And, you know, we always, we have the the savings express program where people need $25 and then, you know, they save up and then they're able to go invest in one of the funds. So it's just like, it starts small and just try to accumulate what you can and, then, you know, you never know what will happen five years down the road. Like you will have an investment portfolio 10 years down the road. You could have um, your own home, maybe even your own business. So I just think that it's important um, to just um, keep um, focus on what you want to do. And it's, it may be difficult, um, more difficult for some than others. But I think that we can all do just do the smallest bit that you can just to get yourself into that mindset. I agree. You know, a lot of people are challenged. I remember a few years back, I had a speaking engagement. And after I had spoken, this lady came up to me and she said that she basically got paid $150 per week. She did little odd cleaning and stuff. She had about three or four children. And her rent was like $125 
per wow. week. And she wanted to know like how she could put into practice, you know, some of the things that mm -hmm. I was talking about. And, and, you know, that's a very extreme um, situation. I think a lot of people are faced with that. They believe that, you know what, I do not have mm -hmm. anything left over um, to save. And so I think there are challenges um, out there as to why some people don't save. If I were to give her the advice, um, sometimes you just have to make some adjustments. You mm -hmm. have to temporarily do some things that um, you wouldn't ordinarily do. By that, I mean, for instance, if you are paying rent, then you probably need to team up with somebody else mm -hmm. and just have a room with you and your children until you get on your feet, you know, to move forward. So you have to be with goals. If you have goals and, and work with your children on their education, knowing that that's the key mm -hmm. out of the state of poverty. Um, but I just think that persons just, you know, need to look at all the options. And sometimes you may have to do some things um, just until you can do better. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, like we say, a lot of people are living in those extreme cases of poverty. But like you said, education is um, the key. So like that lady, she has four children. Yes, you know, instill education in them so that they don't, so that the trap does not continue, so that they don't continue on like her. And, you know, and I always say knowledge is free. So, you know, we have, I haven't been in a public library in a while, but, you know, just, you know, you can't, um, maybe you can't um, save money or you can't pay yourself with money, but, you know, um, reward yourself with knowledge. Go read a book, read the newspaper um, every day and just try to um, learn about so that you can just have that strong mindset and that so you can have um, that knowledge and so that you can like know things and you can feel that can make you feel good about yourself, even if you don't necessarily have um, the money to buy things or you're struggling um, to make ends meet. The Shell, this was an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for agreeing to this discussion. And thank you, audience, for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please send us a note at info at cfile.com or visit our website at www.cfile.com and show your support. Thank you, Cfile, for sponsoring this episode. Until next time. <laughs>